All right. Now, Josh, I don't want you to cut anything out what you guys are going to do, okay? All right. I know you're always supposed to be up here around 11.05, but don't worry about it, okay? Uh, praise God. Just one quick thing before I introduce Josh. Sly. Are you part of the Sly and the family stuff? Okay. <laughs> some of us, only Kelsey and I got that one. Okay. Some of us, some of you are like, what? Sly? Now who? So, okay. I just want to take a moment. We uh, have had a transition in one of our leadership areas in our church. And uh, uh, one of the areas that people are involved in are our prayer and ministry teams on Sunday morning. And uh, stay behind and pray for people, take time, love on people, encourage people. And we're really, really excited to have Ron and Terry Ruth to be a part of that. Come on up here for just a minute, okay? Scott and Lisa Bowen have been overseeing that area, and and they wanted to be able to transition off of that. And, and I, I approached Ron and Terry, which are just amazing people, and I said, listen, would y'all consider? Yes. I said, okay, good. So, uh, and so uh, they're amazing people, and we're just thrilled that they're going to be overseeing this area. We know that it's just going to be bet- become better and better and better and better. And, um, and so this may be something that you would love to be involved in and uh, being a part of the teams on Sunday morning to minister to people, pray for them, connect with them, to see marvelous things that God does in their life. But I just want them for, to say something or say hi or anything. Hi. Um, well, you know, we just we love everyone here. We just really honor everyone that's already served. And we want to encourage anyone that, you know, that feels led that, that it's in their heart to do this. Um, you know, we're definitely open, you know, open to um, doing any further training with people, you know, if you want to do some kind of training um, or anything like that. We're definitely open to doing that. So anybody that's interested, definitely that I would add to that is this. I, I understand that there are things in the state and that the people want to serve the kids and want to come and they want to be in those things. But God is faithful. You will just have to save yourself and you walk away, sometimes I think I want to do this. Because when I first was training how to hear the voice of God, because God just corrected stuff, and and He's not feeling the love that God has and the impact you. So I just, like Terry said, we just want to encourage you. If you have anything maybe to do this, don't be intimidated by it. We will stand by you literally and show you how to do it. It's an awesome thing to see God move. We want to thank you for letting us do this. Can we just take a moment, Father? We just, I just pray for, thank you for Ron and Terry, Lord God, and we just, we so appreciate the gift that's within them. So appreciate, Father, the leadership mantle that's upon their life, Father. So appreciate their willingness, their heart. They are such servant leaders. It's just. 
so blessed to be with them and the treasure that's within them, Father. We thank you, Father, as they they oversee and take the leadership role of our uh, of our ministry uh, prayer and ministry teams, Father. We just thank you, God, that you're going to do amazing things. And so we give you praise, Lord, and give you thanksgiving in Christ's name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay. I want to introduce Josh Sly, one of the pastors. Josh oversees the school of ministry there in our church, and it is yours, my friend. Thank you. Wow. Um, so all of you, honestly, I just want to say thanks before we get started here. You guys are awesome. You're awesome to hang out with. You've been insanely hospitable to us, and ministering alongside you, ministering with you, ministering to you has been a thrill, like a total thrill from start to finish. Talking with Doug and just sharing our hearts and, and having our two churches get to know each other a bit um, has really ministered to me because I, I love to see, I just love to see Christians hang out together and have a good time, you know? Like, I just love to see that. So thank you so much for having us. Seriously. Um, yeah, uh, my wife Sarah and I, we, we pastor a school of ministry, school of the heart, down at our church in, in uh, South Carolina. And uh, this outreach trip is a part of our graduation. We have another team in Pennsylvania doing an outreach trip. They're really cool, too, but they're not as cool as this team. Uh, so, um, uh, one thing we, we get to do as, as part of our graduation is um, come alongside you know, whatever our local church is doing and, and just try to push with you guys for a couple of days and, and, and pour in. So, being a part of the burn service was incredible. And doing outreach things was incredible. Working with Baruch yesterday morning and with the tribe to do a soul party yesterday afternoon was awesome fun. Um, and, and another part of what we got to do, Doug has just generously said, why don't you guys, you know, come share what's on your heart. And we have a couple of students that uh, are phenomenal, phenomenal people. They've, they've been with us for years now at our church, really since the beginning pretty much. Cheryl Miller and, and Kara Miller. You guys want to come up real quick? And these two are going to be... Yeah, give them a hand. Like I, I love these guys. I've had the honor to befriend them and watch them all grow. Kara started out in our youth group when we just had a tiny, tiny little youth group a few years ago, and you know now she's in college and just moving for the Lord and just moving forward for the Lord. And Cheryl, you know, they have four daughters in their family, and Cheryl's had to tackle that situation pretty much by herself so that tells you how amazing she is right off the bat like that is impressive um these two are going to both speak this morning they have something they've been preparing and as we got through the details of it it just it was obvious that god kind of wanted to do a little bit through both of their testimonies and both of their stories so um cheryl's going to go first um and then kara's going to come up and at the end we're going to open up the ministry time and, and uh, yeah i just i'm really really excited about it the story that these two both bring is all the stuff I'm telling. I won't sleep. So, Gary, you can sit down with the show. Come on up and let's just pray for it real fast as we start. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the word you put in the shell and the revelation and the testimony, God. And Jesus, we just say that we want to hear it now. We open our ears and we just, we're all ears. Bless her as she speaks. Fill her up for you. 
I really am just kidding. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's really not that at all. In fact, it's quite opposite from that. Um, the message that I want to share with you this morning is on the Father's love. And honestly, this message for me has been the most impactful message, the most life-changing, healing message of anything that I've ever heard. I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life. I grew up in a Christian home with Christian values. Um, but, you know, there have been a lot of tools along the way. There have been great books. Of course, we have the Bible. And there just have been a lot of books, but there is nothing that is like a personal revelation of the Father's love that will alter our lives and heal us and bring restoration. There's just nothing like it anywhere. So, um, I have to put on my glasses. You guys are going to look a little bit blurry, but I can't read my notes about them. So, (laughs) anyway. And one thing I just want to say is that I really believe the level of revelation we have in our hearts about the Father's love determines the level of freedom and walking. So there are a few things that kind of get in our way. You know, a lot of us have heard that the Father loves us our whole lives. But there are things that just seem to get in the way and build up walls around our hearts where we just really can't hear it or it really doesn't penetrate the way it needs to. And one of the things that happens is we'll have negative experiences. And those negative experiences, um, those painful things that happen to us, really impact us in a way that makes that our reality. And what we end up doing is seeing God the way we see those people in those hurtful situations. And, you know, this is especially true, I think, when there's an authority figure involved, whether it be parents, whether it be church leaders, whether it be school teachers or whoever it might be. And I just really believe that the Lord wants to break away, wants to break away those perceptions and bring us revelations that are personal to us to really bring us into a level of freedom that we've never known. And, um, you know, just to compare it to something, if you try to look through somebody else's glasses that are not a prescription for you, it's going to look really boring. And it's going to be, you know, sometimes it really gives you a headache. (laughs) And a lot of times when we look at the Father, we're looking at him that way. We're looking at him in a way that is just not who he really is. And it's painful when we look at him that way. It doesn't, we're not walking in freedom. We're looking at him through these, these eyes of um, pain and, and misperception. So, you know, Father, I just pray this morning 
that you touch everybody's perception here. Lord, that you come in and uproot any of the thought patterns, any of the things that have influenced us up to this point to view you in the wrong way. And I just pray the spirit of revelation over this place that you just come into our hearts and come into our minds, come into every part of us. We just invite you here to give us revelation. Thank you, Lord. You know, and sometimes it's not a bad experience that gives us the wrong perception. Sometimes it can be something as simple as, you know, you receiving praise for an accomplishment. And then we start equating the Father's love with something we've done well. And we think that if we perform well, we receive love, we receive praise. So, you know, and, and another thing is, is that two people can experience the same thing and perceive it completely differently. So... I guess the point that I'm trying to make there is that that's why each of us needs a personal revelation for ourselves. It's not enough to hear somebody else's story. I mean, those stories can trigger things and help us to really, you know, start taking a look. But we really need for God to personally say to us, personally show us what it is in our hearts that's in the way. So another thing that um, messes with really being able to receive the Father's love is unforgiveness. And I just want to um, remind us of Matthew 18 about the parable where the servant who was forgiven a great deal of debt refused to forgive somebody who owed him a lot less. And the master who forgave him had him handed over to the jailers. And Matthew 18.35 says, this is how my father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And unforgiveness can really prevent a flow of the father's blessings in your life. And, you know, that's another thing that really messes up our perception. Um, we can have unforgiveness towards people, but we can also have unforgiveness towards God. And, you know, to some people that might sound a little bit wacky. I mean, how can we have unforgiveness towards God? But it really is all about how we're perceiving him. You know, if we feel like there are so many things or even one thing and we're looking at God and going, how could you let this happen? You know, all of a sudden we're holding him responsible for things that other people have done. The fact is we live in a fallen world and bad things do happen. He doesn't promise us that life is going to be pain-free. But what he does promise is to walk with us through everything and to give us victory so that we can get to the end of it. So what God really meant for us is just unconditional love. Um, It was always meant to be the main thing. Unconditional love is at the very foundation of our salvation. John 3, 16 to 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're loved and forgiven, not because of what we've done, but in spite of what we've done. And so um, I just really want to emphasize to you that 
if there's anything else going on in your heart besides unconditional love, then it's worth taking a look at. It's worth allowing God to just come in and wipe that away. So I just kind of want to ask what your normal is. What is your everyday normal? How do you go? What is your thought life like? As you walk through life day to day, are you questioning whether or not God really loves you? Are you walking around with a ball of pain rolling around in your heart? You know, I did that for years. So I just want to say that there is nothing, there is nothing in this room, there's nothing in any of your hearts that God can't touch. There's nothing too old. There's nothing, I don't care if it happened 25 years ago. He's big enough to get to the core and to heal that pain. So back to the um, unforgiveness and being willing to forgive. I just want to say, you know, when I was really young, uh, you know, I, I grew up with some really difficult circumstances, and I was taught that forgiveness is what you do. Forgiveness is important. And I don't remember ever saying in my heart, I will not forgive. But sometimes when really hurtful things happen, we don't know how to process the pain. And we get stuck. You know, we want to forgive and we, we're saying, God, I, you know, I choose to forgive. So if there's anybody here that has maybe gotten stuck, I don't want you to feel like you can't get out of it or you can't walk out of it because there's always a way. And, um, you know, Sometimes when really, really painful things happen, you know, whether it be abuse or um, a lot of control or whatever, some extreme situations, and, you know, maybe others that are not so extreme, you know, what has happened to us is our sense of boundary has been broken down, and we don't understand where the lines are anymore. So you can have walked through painful things, but maybe you're still dealing with the people that, that did those painful things to you. And sometimes we don't know how to continue to walk out forgiveness and walk out whatever it is we need to walk out um, to be free from that. And so I just want to say that that's okay, that there are people that can help you, that there are, God will help you, he will help you to find the solution. One of the things that I had to learn, and it took a long time for me to learn this, is the information just wasn't there. The church that I was in just did not, they were not equipped help me through it, but I had to learn to set boundaries, and I'm going to show you this picture, a little small circle on the very inside, and the circles get bigger and bigger and bigger, and on the inside, I want you to imagine that that's just you and God, and nobody else is allowed in that innermost circle, that's just you and God, and then from there, as the circles get bigger and bigger, kind of the order of priority of people in your life, and you know, it might be your, your spouse or your, your children or whatever in those closest circles, close friends, and then it goes on from there. And it really represents all the people in our world. And I want you to imagine Al-Qaeda in the very outer circle. And by the way, I'm taking this from one of Danny Silk's books. It's really good. <laughs> um, so Al-Qaeda is in that outer zone, and, you know, we might be called to pray for Al-Qaeda, but you're certainly not going to let Al-Qaeda into that innermost circle. And so sometimes when somebody has made a big mess and they're not willing to clean it up, it's okay to put them in one of those zones out there where they're not coming over to your house for dinner. 
Um, but I also want to say that this is not necessarily meant for a little offense like, you know, somebody hurt your feelings. You don't want to put them in the Al-Qaeda zone. <laughs> you want to you know, just kind of work through that. But if, if the boundaries are kind of muddy and maybe your sense of boundary has been so destroyed by what you went through that you don't even know where the lines are anymore, then I would just suggest that you seek some counsel on that, just find some people that you can kind of be accountable with and that will help you walk through those things and to help you set up, you know, how you kind of need to do life at that point. And you'll even find that you might have to put somebody in a zone for a little while till you heal and you're able to kind of let them back in a little at a time because in reality, our safety comes from God. And it doesn't matter who's around us. We're always safe when we're with him. So um, anyway, I probably will never speak on a message about forgiveness unless I speak about that just because of a place that I was at in my life where I had no idea what to do with the people that I was still dealing with. So um, I guess what I want to do, well, I want to just say that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the fact that we're God's son and sons and daughters. Um, Romans 8, 14-17 says, All who follow the leading of God's spirit are God's own sons. Nor are you meant to relapse into the old slavish attitude of fear. You have been adopted into the very family circle of God, and you can say with a full heart, Father, my Father. The Spirit himself endorses our inward conviction that we really are the children of God. Think what that means. If we are his children, we share his treasures. And all that Christ claims as his will belong to all of us as well. Yes, if we share in his suffering, we shall certainly share his glory. So I just want to say again, the Holy Spirit can reveal to each one of us, wherever we need that revelation, that we are truly God's sons and daughters. There's not one of you here that needs to feel left out of that. You are God's son and you are God's daughter. And just to kind of imagine, if this is really hard for you to imagine, maybe you haven't had parenting that was um, that made you feel whole, maybe you grew up in a really tough situation. But imagine if you have a son or a daughter, how much love you have for them. You love them so much, you want to do anything you can to help them if they're hurting. You want to help them hurt if they, you know, make a wrong decision. You want to help them get back on that path. But there's nothing good that you want to withhold from your children. And God doesn't want to withhold anything good from you. So um, just to kind of make these things maybe a little bit more real to you, I want to share with you some of my personal experience. Um, as I said, I was brought up in a Christian home, and when I say Christian home, what I mean is I was taught Christian values, I was taught moral right and wrong. My mom actually grew up as a Quaker. Um, my father, I think, grew up Baptist. But my parents were two very, very broken people. My mother um, just grew up with a lot of grief. Um, she had, there were a total of 13 kids in her family, and like six of them died. And then her mother, when she was 16, her mother passed away. And so she just kind of walked through a lot of grief, and I have a feeling about a lot of comfort. And my father, um, 
his father was um, just had a full-blown temper, and when he got angry with my father, he would chase him with a shotgun. And so my parents, um, to my knowledge, never really walked out of that sense of what a, of brokenness that they had. They really had not been in an environment, still to this day, have not been in an environment where they could find healing and restoration in those areas. And you know, when we're broken down and we haven't really received that revelation of the Father's love, we really can't give it to somebody else. And so, um, you know, my mom had a really tender heart, and she taught me at a young age that, that I could tell God anything that He would understand. And that was something that I relied upon heavily throughout my life, and something that she gave to me that nobody else, nobody could take from me. And um, my father was a man who worked really, really hard, and it didn't matter what what he did. Like, if, if he had to dig ditches to support his family, he was going to make sure his family was provided for. So, um, anyway, they had eight children themselves. They had six sisters and one brother. And they really were not equipped to handle the pressures um, that came along with that, that just came along with life in general. So um, we had a lot going on at home. We had a lot of abuse taking place and just, you know, it was just not an easy life. But the very first experience that I believe was impactful for me, it's actually before my earliest memory and it was basically revealed to me through a prayer situation before I ever heard of prayer ministry or anything like that, probably about 15 years ago, where my dad... um, tried to take me from my mom and just have me go to him instead of her holding me. And for whatever reason, I just didn't want to. You know how babies are. Sometimes they just want mom. And it really made him angry. And I don't know what about it struck him at that moment, but he got so angry and started yelling, and he put me in the crib, and he said that nobody was to come near me for the rest of the day. And, of course, it scared me, and... What the Lord explained to me was that that taught me to push my gut down because nobody responded. Nobody gave me comfort. I was just afraid. And I was just a baby. I wasn't like saying, Dad, I don't, I reject you. I was just a baby, you know. So um, there was just this cry in my heart. There was this pain that had just gone unresolved. And that's where I learned through experience that nobody's going to respond to me. That's just kind of where it started. So, And also, just to clarify, I went back to my mom when this person prayed for me, and I asked her, is this what really happened? And she said, yes, it did happen. And she said, you wouldn't go near your father for a good month after that. So, um, anyway, that was one of the first times I received that message that there was not going to be a response when I was in pain. And... I was a pretty sensitive child, and a lot of you probably know that when there's a sensitive child around, they're like a walking target for other children. (laughs) And I was picked on a pretty good bit growing up in grade school years, and I used to come home and tell my mom, you know, what happened, and she really didn't know how to give comfort. It was more just ignore them. So I never heard and said, it's okay, you're not that. There was no reassurance or comfort about who I really was inside. And, um, you know, then when the different types of abuse was going on, 
Um, there were times that either myself or siblings told counselors what was going on. And I think, I think there was a time when social workers actually came to our house, but my dad scared them off. He had a fierce temper. And um, basically telling counselors, there, was, there were counselors that were told that were really required to report it by law, but they didn't. So again, there was the message. There's no response for your pain. So um, as a young adult, I mean, I really always had this heart that wanted this closeness with the Lord. And as a young adult, in logical terms, I thought, well, if I just kind of look at where the pain started and kind of figure out what happened, then I can fix it. So I kind of went on this journey of trying to figure out what all those trigger points were that would come up when I was in relationship with somebody or just when something happened. But unfortunately, we're not equipped to heal our own pain. (laughs) And I just, you know went from, you know, trying to dig through books or talking to this person or talking to that person. And when things came to a head in my home and I went to, you know, our church and we sought help there, and again, that message of forgiveness was reinforced, but there was no, this is how you cope with it now. And I was just stuck still in the middle of the situation and in the middle of the pain. So I felt rejected like... I was just this person who couldn't get over the pain, and because you can't get over it, you know, you have a problem. So, um, not only was I in pain, I was rejected because I had the pain. So, um, that message just kept getting reinforced and reinforced. You know, we're often drawn to things that are familiar to us, and I will say, you know, I've you know, when I first started going to this particular church, it was not unusual to me. There's a lot of performance mentality, a lot of religion. And I know they meant well, and they, they were operating in what they knew. But I really felt like I did not meet any of the expectations that were around me, and it was a very painful time. Um, but, you know, sometimes when we're allowed to feel that pain, it's when we really dig in. And we just say, God, where are you really? And... There's lots of digging, lots of me crying out and asking the Lord, you know, how how can I get through this? And you know, in the in this state of feeling completely rejected and like nobody nobody was really hearing me, I made a really bad marriage decision. And I didn't even know it was bad because I had learned to push down my gut. And so everything that I was feeling was completely different than what everybody else around me was feeling. Everybody else was like, oh, he is such a great guy. And I would say, but, you know, I'm not quite sure about this. You know, there just seems to be something here. And, and I just kept hearing, you know, he's a wonderful person. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have wonderful qualities. He does. But, you know, he wasn't walking in healing either. And so we were two broken people that got married and had a broken relationship. So that ended in divorce and a lot of trauma for myself and my children. But here I was still searching and still wanting this intimacy with God. And I finally um, ended up in a place, probably I heard the Father's love message not that long after I had separated from my ex-husband for the first time, probably about a year before the church that I go to now started. And it was impactful. There have been many little revelations along the way. And 
you know, there are little parts of me being freed every time God gave me a revelation on something that I had experienced. But I think that the most impactful thing for me um, was uh, when Carlos Rodriguez came to the School of Ministry and spoke on the prodigal son. Now, a few weeks into the school, I was given a prophetic word about the prodigal son. And the person prophesying over me, um, you know, knew it wasn't about salvation. And I was kind of, you know, not sure exactly what God was trying to say in it, but I had a sense that what he was trying to tell me was that, you know, the Father runs to me. It wasn't just about me pursuing him and trying to find the answers, but he runs to me and he responds to me. So right before I started the school, I was just at this place where, you know, I had never stopped seeking God. I, I spent time worshiping. I would spend time reading the Bible. I would spend time praying. And it wasn't that I never heard from God. But when I would just try to sit in his presence and, and just want his tangible presence to be with me, I felt like he was a million miles away. I felt like this was a God who didn't respond to me. And I didn't even know that that's really what was going on. I was just in this place as if I worship enough or if I read my Bible enough, if I pray hard enough, God will, His presence will come and surround me. But I got so weary in doing that, I couldn't do it anymore. So I would just sit and just cry. And it was just this place of such hunger. But that hunger wasn't being filled. So when Carlos came and he talked about the prodigal son, he talked about it in a way I've never heard it before. You know, usually you hear it, and it's about a person who's lost getting saved. But he talked about it in the sense that the prodigal son was already a son. And um, when he decided to go back to his father, his father responded to him. Luke fifteen twenty says that so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And I will never forget, that will be something that, that, it, that just impacted me in a way that I cannot even communicate. And it started there, but over the next weeks and months, I could see the thread of from the time I was little and nobody responded to me, how I had placed that perception on my Heavenly Father and thought that He didn't respond to me. So now I know that I have a Father who responds to me. And you have a Father who responds to you. And whatever your battle is, whatever your, your perception is that's in your way, God can give you a personal revelation to make you free. And I just want to say, God did me a huge favor. I, I don't want you to think that I have some really sad story or that I went, from, you know, went through years of trying to fix whatever was hurting in my heart. He did me a favor by not letting me find that in an environment that was filled with performance. He loved me enough to let me experience that without doing a thing. 
We are not responsible for our own healing. And we can't heal ourselves. We can't fix it. So I hope that this morning as as you listen to this, and Tara's going to come up here and share some of her story about some revelation that God has given her about his love. I I just pray that you just start asking the Lord, where is it in my heart that I need that healing and that restoration? So we're running a little bit low on time, but it was actually really cool because my mom and I didn't really communicate about our sermons together very much, but they were so similar that I feel like um, it's just going to go really well. Um, I want to start out with, um, when, before we went on this trip, Josh asked us all to kind of pray about what he felt like he had for this congregation and this community. And um, some of the things I saw, I'm just going to share them with you because I have my list over right here. Um, and I saw that he wanted to renew, to break chains, to bring relief, and to um, just to cause people to look at their relationship with the Father and kind of ask themselves where they were. Um, so what I want to talk about is just some of the things in my life that have taken place that have caused the change to happen and the, the blocks and the walls. Because um, this whole thing has me to question where I was as well. Um, but I just want to pray really quick before I start that um, we can release that. So, Father, I just thank you for being here. And Jesus, I just thank you that this is such a safe place and that you have freedom for this community and this city. God, and I just thank you for every person here and for um, the, the willingness in everyone's hearts to pursue you. Um, so... When I was eight years old, um, my parents stood up, and it was really shocking for me because growing up from up until eight years old, I'd you know been raised in a Christian home, and it was um, I just it was like one of those things. It was just a lot of trauma, a lot of shock. You just don't expect it to happen. And the thing that was really shocking about it is um, we found out that my dad had been drinking for a while without us knowing about it, and he had a lot of previous issues. Um, his father was an alcoholic, and he started drinking when he was really young. And my mom's father, I just, in short, I just heard all of these stories about the men in my family line that were just bad influence and causing pain. And um, it was really hard for me because it really skewed my perception of the father. Um, I just learned at a really young age that men weren't safe. And for a really long time, I, could, I couldn't talk to any men. Like, it was so hard for me because I just I thought that they were awful. Um, so my parents split up, and when they did, I wasn't one of those kids that was like, oh, I want my dad to come home. Like, I was like, no, like, he needs to stay away. Like, I didn't feel safe with him. I didn't want that anymore. I didn't want him to come home. Um, and so after several years, like, I, my parents' divorce wasn't final until about two or three years after they split up. And I, um, during that time, I had this hope that the Father was going to, that God was going to come in and change my dad and that he would be safe to come home. Because I wanted a whole family. I wanted everything to be okay. But um, it was hard for me because I wasn't seeing that taking place. And then, long story short, he got remarried. And um, 
as of today, like he and I still, we haven't spoken in four years. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there that just caused a lot of fears in me. Um, based on the facts that I knew about my family and the men in my family line, I, I just started to believe that I wasn't good enough to have a whole family. I wasn't good enough to see the Lord move in my life and to have a father. Um, I wasn't good enough to find uh, a husband. I wasn't good enough to see the fruit of a whole family. Um, and then I just had the impression that men always, like if I saw someone that seemed pretty decent, that they always um, had bad intentions or ulterior motives. Um, so during this time in my life, I had a lot of encouragement and things that were, um, you know, I always prayed, and I never wanted to really um, admit that my, I had fear in my relationship with the Lord. Like, I always thought that God was a safe place, but I wasn't really facing it. Um, so I really, I desperately wanted to connect with Him, and I always tried, but my heart had built this wall, and this, because, you know, He designed us to love one another, and He designed family, and He designed fathers to pour into their children and it wasn't there for me. Um, so as I got older and started making decisions, it was hard for me because I didn't have a father around to advise me on anything. Um, during the time where I was having visitation with my father, he, um, if I asked him about anything or communicated to him that he was hurting me, it was always my fault. Um, I remember the last time I visited with him before I kind of drew the line and said, okay, I can't do this anymore. We went on a walk, and I told him that um, I just wasn't comfortable anymore, and I didn't like that he was drinking. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And it was, um, and I think I was like, I mean, I was like 15, and he told me that I needed to change and that um, I wasn't, basically I wasn't right in the head, that I wasn't looking at everything the right way. Um, so that's that. That's, I haven't, he's still, um, I haven't spoken to him. So then later, um, when I graduated high school, I, um, it was really hard for me to ask the father for advice or just guidance or to accept it from other people because it, I, I didn't understand what that looked like at all. I didn't. I was, just, I was so lost in a way. Um, so long story short, but um, I got accepted into the college that I really wanted to. Um, dad is in Savannah, and um, it was really expensive, and I didn't have any help, and so I couldn't go. Um, but it was really discouraging for me because I felt like I had been abandoned over and over and over. And after seeing my family not work out, and after seeing one thing after another not work out, it was like kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, this is it. Like this is my escape. Like this is my. Like th- I get to do this thing. And, and it didn't work out. Um, so I took a year off, and, um, and it was fine. But, um, but I realized while I was writing this sermon and planning for this weekend is that I was so really, really angry about that situation. Um, and so I made a judgment against God and against the people that I had seen get to do what they wanted to with their lives because they had a solid family or co-signers or like, people helping them. And I just feel like I've had to work so hard for, to get not where I wanted to be. Um, so this really kept God from moving in my life because my whole mindset was, um, was just based out of fear. I was making decisions out of fear. I was doing things that I didn't really want to do, but I was so afraid that this was the wrong step that I wasn't going to get anywhere. Um, so 
I decided to enroll in community college, which was the last, the last thing on my list. I felt like I just felt like it was shameful for some reason. And uh, my mom said something to me the other day. Um, she heard from someone, and it's super simple, but she said that sometimes Plan B stands for better. And the Lord has been, the Lord has been really revealing that to me um, with the amount of favor that I've had in this school. Like. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Charleston area, but I go to Trident Tech, and it's just like, it's kind of a joke. Like, everyone that goes, like, if you, if someone asks me, I'm going, like, oh, I go to Trident. Like, and they're like, oh, like, and it's just not, like, a great, I mean, it's a good school, but there's just not in the best area. Like, everyone that goes there goes there because they didn't have any other thing to do. But um, it's really funny because I just had such favor there um, with my professors and just, so much, and I just really feel like, and I've gotten credit for it, about um, that being exactly where I need to be, and so to know that even though my plans are not what I wanted, the Father knows better, and something that is really significant about this is um, when you're walking out your life and your circumstances, and you're really confused about where you are, um, while I was going through prayer ministry, I just learned how to, myself, like, take a step back and say, okay, here I am not where I want to be. God, where are you? Or where were you in that situation where I was like so upset and I was so confused? And um, so I was praying to him about this um, college situation because I, I, I wanted to leave. I wanted to, get a, I wanted to go to Bethel. I wanted to do all these things that just didn't happen. And um, so I just had this vision of him walking with me and everything is blurry. And I just, I just want to speak this over you guys too because I feel like it's really relevant for you to be able to take a step back in any situation and just say, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing, but he's walking. He's walking with me. He's walking with all of you guys. And there's this glow about him and this love that is so intense. Like, you cannot help but to be intrigued by it and to just do whatever. And so I came to this place in my heart where I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to go anywhere anymore. I just want to do whatever's on this blurry little path right here. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's just so intense. And um, I was, I, uh, as I was working on this, I came across this verse. And um, it's really simple. Matthew 6, 8, and it just says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And, um, and he's known that for eternity. He's known that for years and years and years and years before my existence. And, um, and I don't know what I need. Um, but I him, and I can know that he loves me so much, and he loves this community, and he loves us all so much, that he's going to put us on a path that it can't fail, like, you can't, you can't mess up, that's one thing that I've had to keep telling myself, is, like, I cannot screw this up, even though I feel so afraid to do anything, like, well, what if I move, and then it's another place, and then I lose somebody, and it's, like, there's so many things that can happen when you've been through so much pain, I just want to break that off, um, I just feel like the Lord has freedom for all of us, everyone here and beyond these walls everywhere. It's just There is freedom in his love and there is freedom in letting him guide you. And it's, it's, um, it's so funny, we were, um, there's a woman that is visiting at our church currently back home and her name is Lane King. Um, so she's been here for a few weeks and she's been ministering at different times and um, we were at youth group the other night and help out with our youth group and she showed them a video clip um, of this disabled guy, he's like completely disabled, he's paralyzed, and I don't even know if he can talk or anything, um, 
but he's involved in all of these like marathons and races and like he gets to do like some races and they just like pull him along and there's this man that like will push him on his bike or pull him in a raft for the swimming and stuff and he gets to experience all of these things. Um, and so she was trying to depict the Father's love and how he literally does it all for us and we still get to experience these amazing things. Um, but um, I just want to go back to really quickly the whole, the, the blockage that was taking place because of all the fear that happened because things didn't happen how I wanted them to. We, as people, don't have the, the mind to um, plan our own lives. And so I feel like um, the Lord really wants to come in and show us what that looks like to so just let him take over and to break those things off and to break the fear and the control and the, you know, and like, even the impatience, like I'm probably one of the most impatient people, and so to not do what I wanted to after school and over the past few years has been really difficult for me because I'm like I don't I don't know what I'm doing now, but um, but I want to lead you guys in a prayer, um, and then I think we're gonna have like our ministry team come up, and if anyone any one of you want prayer for anything else, um. So God, I just, uh, I thank you for these people, and I thank you for this community and for their hearts that are so willing to love you, and they're so hungry for this guidance and for this love to take over. God, I pray that if there is anything at all blocking these hearts from a relationship with you, that you would just break it off in Jesus' name, that you would reveal to them what it is that is hurting them, what it is that is keeping that distance, God, because you are not a distant being. Your love is tangible and so so huge. Like, we can fully experience it. God, thank you for that. I just thank you for your peace, and I thank you for all of the things that you're going to be doing in people's lives. Just within the next week, within today, today, all of the chains that are going to be broken, all of you to invite the Lord to work in the soil in your heart to come and give you revelation where you need revelation to be free so I'm going to pray and just going to ask you to repeat after me and then afterwards anybody that wants prayer just come on up and, and we'll pray for you so Father thank you for your love thank you because you are good And we just invite you to work in our hearts. And we welcome you to give us revelation of your love that will set us free. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. I'd like to have the ministry team come up from Harvest Renewal and also the rest of our outreach team. Please come up at this time. Um, We'd love to pray with you for anything at all. 